Let's go. Welcome on, let's to go. episode four of the March Madness edition of the Blue Bloods podcast. We are on episode 25 overall, which is crazy to think. I mean, can you believe that, B. Holmes? 25 episodes, man. 25 episodes. Hey, what's what's the st- statistic? I think what most podcasts don't make it to episode 50 or something. Is like, that what so it we're is? Halfway there. I think it's something like that. They don't make it to episode 50. So we're halfway there. Shoot. We'll we got to do something special for the 50th. But, I mean, even if you think about all the content we've put out as far as our other sidebar bonus videos on our YouTube, if you're mm-hmm. watching or listening, if you're watching, hit subscribe right now, YouTube slash College Game Time. If you're just listening, go check it out. We've got a bunch of other bonus content we put out um, kind of in the the gap times of our podcast. Our podcast goes from week zero of the college football season till National Signing Day in February. And then we dust it off for the month of March to give you all the March Madness Madness action. Uh, We just started week zero of the 2021 college football season, and here we are still going strong. We also have a website, collegegametime.com. If you're watching it, you see it on the scroll Beneath us, collegegametime.com. Man, we're bringing it all now, B. Holmes. We got podcasts, we've got videos, we've got uh, written content. Go to our website. Trifecta. Subscribe. Yeah, subscribe to our YouTube. Man, so, man, before we even get into this, like, what's, what, what you got going on, B. Holmes? Like, we were, I'm going to just tell everybody, we were just before we hopped on, yeah. we were talking about, um, <laughs> A vacation. I'll just say it at that. I don't need to put a, put all the business out there, but yeah. we have a very uh, special trip. Special vacation. We're looking forward to coming days up in away. A, yes, sixty, 60 days. days. Like, how are you feeling about that? I'm uh, man. I'll put it. It's my business. So, um, <laughs> in sixty days, like I'm getting married, and Let's man, that's go. like a big. That's a big, big. It was funny. I was talking to my um a friend of mine about it today. And um, it's so interesting. Like, it just made me think about my pop because I would never forget. One of the last conversations we, we had was about me getting married. Mm. And he was like, you know, Brandon, me and you are oddly similar. Um, you know, my dad, that can be a good thing and sometimes yes. a not so good thing. <laughs> um, if you know everything about my dad. But he's like, you know, I think um, you probably shouldn't settle down, get married till you're like 31, 32. You'll be just right around that point and i'm like wow i'm 32 and it's happening this year so man i'm super pumped about it. it's new season new chapter we got to, i got some other things i can't officially announce what's happening personally right, right for another right. couple of weeks um but yeah we got some things happen personally i think um i'm super pumped about that. i just feel like you know for those who have been with us on this journey not only do we talk sports we kind of insert like what's going on personally and, yes. and there's i think there's just a lot of big moves happening between the both of us that are going to be very good for college game Absolutely. time moving forward man so i'm i'm pumped about marriage i'm pumped about these next steps that are unfolding and you know i'll share more as we get there but um man life is life is good i can really say that i think that's that's what i can say well and we're getting the wolf pack together that yeah. weekend which is <laughs> like that that's that's where I come in, and I just yeah. I cannot wait. It and is the perfect yeah. blend of guys, the perfect <laughs> perfect blend of like all my favorite guys, and because you know it's like I didn't realize this though, bro. Um, I didn't realize like not every guy has like stable. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. guys yeah. that you're like, okay, I can call on this group of guys, and every last one of them, I trust them with my life. I trust them to give me sound advice. Right. Um, you know, a, a wise man once told me this. He's like, you always have to have friends that, that you can tell that know where the bodies are buried. Mm. Um, Ooh. and like to know that I have that and like 
all of you are coming together. And some of you haven't even met, but uh-huh. all of you are like coming together for that weekend. I think it's just it's so hard not to get excited for it because you're like, that is just going to be probably one of my favorite weekends of my life. All all the Wolfpack is together with me getting married. I, mm. I just don't know how you can top that, man. I, I, don't, I just I don't, don't know. So I've already been plotting with another fellow member of the Wolfpack that both Brandon and I are very close with today. So yeah, uh, who knows? You know? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but Always. you never know. There might be some blog content worthy stuff that's allowed <laughs> to be posted. You know, who knows? Maybe. Um, yeah, maybe. But anyways, getting to episode four of our March Madness edition, the Blue Bloods podcast. Um, man, we've had a lot happening. The final four is set. Yeah, uh, We're going to get into all of that. But before we do... Did you happen to watch any of the Oscars last night? Or so I guess check this. Sunday night, I should say, depending on when someone's listening or watching this. I don't ever watch the Oscars, <laughs> um, ever. I think I watched it like one year, in like 2015. Mm. Um, I'm playing NCAA 14 on my Xbox, getting ready to go to bed because I have to get up and go to the gym. I'm trying to be wedding ready. Let's go. And, um, my cousin texts me. No, Braden Cheryl. Let me give him his credit. He Shout texts our group chat. He goes, oh, my God. Did you just see what happened at the Oscars? And my first thought is, who watches the Oscars, bro? No. like Now, granted, Braden's the only white guy in this group chat. So I know every other guy in that group chat was like, no. <laughs> like, why would we be watching the Oscars? He goes, bro, Will Smith just smacked the crap out of Chris Rock. Mm. Now I'm like, there's no way. So what do I do? I log on the best app. There is, and that's Twitter. Um, And black Twitter, which is a real thing, guys. It's not race dividing. Black Twitter is a real section of Twitter. Mm. It's going crazy about what just happened, where my man Will Smith went up and smacked Chris Rock. And um, I've had like a day to digest what happened there. Um, I'm split. I'm split on this. On one side of the coin. This is how I feel. And a wise man once told me this. Whatever you do, never talk about a man's wife or children. Ever. Don't care if it's funny. Don't care if it's a joke. I'll never forget the one time. If those who know my dad or don't. My dad is, was 6'5", about 300 pounds. Mm. I smarted it off to my mom one time my freshman year of high school. Mm. All I know in a matter of a millisecond my glasses were halfway across the living room and I was looking at a ceiling and what he uttered to me, which is my dad. I've never heard my dad say bad words to me. Right. Never heard him curse. He said, I will F you up <laughs> if you ever talk back to my wife like that again. You mm. can talk it to me, but if you ever talk to my wife disrespectfully, son, I will kill you. And those who know my dad, I, I took that threat very seriously, and I don't think I ever disrespected my mother in that way again. So I say all that to say, I understand when you talk about somebody's wife, you put it out there, you got a chance that you're going, somebody's going to meet you on site, meaning, hey, mm-hmm. this isn't Twitter fingers. I'm going to put my hands on you. On the back end of it, it was tough because I think to shine light on it, it put... It put both stars in a very tough position um, and not to get like super deep into this, but this was like a very, this is the first time like I believe a, a black male or black person directed the Oscars and Will Packer, 
Um, and it was really so this this Oscars was big for the African American community because it was like a big ode to like African Americans were kind of running the show. Mm-hmm. And so like to kind of put a black eye on that night was kind of like uh and then I feel bad for Chris Rock, right? Because he mm-hmm. was in a situation that I've been familiar with when you're in this place, all eyes are on you. You're kind of representing a conglomerate of people and you have to make a split decision between what I would probably really do mm-hmm. or and if I do that it's not even about me it's about how does this affect the conglomerate as a whole and me humbling myself in that moment and being like because if you catch the, the 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 video clip he he gets to start and saying something he goes all right all right mm-hmm. I know what that meant is I'm gonna let you live right now because what I'm gearing up to say is going to be a whole lot yeah, worse. I mean, we're talking a top five comedian of all time. So right. It's not so, like he didn't have anything in the tank. Oh, he had ammo. And mm. him, I watch, as I'm watching make that decision. So I feel bad because not only, you're a man, you get it. I'd rather a man punch me than slap me. Like, mm. I feel like a slap is disrespectful. Mm. And it's on national TV. And mm. it's in front of our peers. So it's just like, what do you... So I had to put myself in that situation because a lot of people on Twitter are like, oh, I... Will couldn't do that to me, and I'm like, mm, everybody's a tough guy till you till you're in that moment, and you have to think. I've been in those positions. How does this affect everybody? If I can, do, I be selfish or? So it was rough, man. I feel, and I just think Will just got to the breaking point. He's been the punching bag for jokes for years, two years now. Um, and every man, people can say, "Oh, that's soft. That was a soft joke." But you don't know somebody's breaking point. And this is my last thing on it, and I'll say this to you because I talked to my boy about it. There's an underlying beef between those two that nobody probably knows about. Mm. Because the way Will approached that, it was small. But if you, and you'll get this because you're a guy, guys get this. When every, at some point in your life, you just had that person you can't stand. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I don't need a lot. I don't need a lot to fire off on you. If you breathe on me in the wrong way, it's on sight. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what, no one knows because that's their own bubble, their own circle. But the fact that Will was like, today's the day shows me that there's some underlying stuff there. And Will was like, probably looked at him and goes, at some point, I'm going to slap the crap out of him. Mm. And yesterday just happened, or Sunday, happened to be the day where he said, mm, today's the day. I got time today. So, unfortunate. Made the Oscars entertaining. I'm sure they got the highest ratings they've ever gotten in a long time. But... <sighs> it's tough for me. For me, I like you. I was not watching. I was actually watching Winning Time, the new series on HBO about oh, the, the Lakers. Lakers dynasty, which I'm just right now completely infatuated with. I keep telling myself I'm going to save it, save it, save it so I can binge it. And I just, I don't. I watch the new episode every week. Uh, my wife and I do. And so I'm watching that and I get a text from my mom. She's like, you should be watching the Oscars. Will Smith just slapped the you-know-what out of yeah. Chris Rock. And I was like, what? So I went to the same app you did, pulled it up. I, my first version of it was the actual uncut version yeah, that same. I guess they showed in Australia or something. Yeah. And at first I was trying to watch and go, okay, was this staged? Was this a setup? Right. Right. Um, and, and I saw people, oh, no, look how serious Will Smith and I'm going, well, hold on. Like, the guy also won an Oscar the same right. night. He's a so great like, actor. Like, he's a great actor. <laughs> but the more and more I watched it, the more and more I'm going, no, this doesn't look like a setup. Especially Chris Rock's, like, 
reaction and response. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into whether the joke was out of pocket or whether Will Smith overreacted or whatever, but here's after I, and I've watched it quite a few times. Will Smith is initially laughing at the joke, right? And the camera cuts away, but you, before the camera cuts away, you see Will Smith kind of laughing at the joke, kind of chuckling, whether it's just your typical Oscars courtesy laugh, whatever, but he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's laughing. And Jada's face drops. Yes. And you start to see her look over at him. And so I just wondered how much of this was part of what Will Smith has just been dragged through was all the whole situation that, Mm. and I didn't, I'm not super privy to the whole ordeal, but I know like she got wrapped up in something with the R&B singer and then they got on like a national broadcast and talked about it. And she kind of like, like undressed him in that mm-hmm. conversation. I, like I said, I can't speak to the details of it cause I never actually watched it. I'm just kind of going off the, the, the cliff notes versions right. I've heard. And so what I'm wondering is, so then he sees her face drop and then it resurfaced all of that pain. So mm-hmm. it wasn't even so much about Chris rock, but it was more about, some some underlying things he's still sorting out between him and his wife and the stuff they've walked through together. Right. right. I mean, because dude went up there and he had like the perfect form. Like everything <laughs> about the slap was like textbook. Right. And right. I mean, it was it was it was a beautiful slap. Like if we're right. just talking like form <laughs> and connectivity, it was and a great follow. It was quick, man. Like yeah. I mean, he's got some hands. Like so, I also read that uh, uh, after filming Ali, he kind of stayed with right with, with the you know learning and boxing training and all that and so anyways i just kind of wonder if if that situation it wasn't so much about the joke it wasn't so much about keeping his wife's name out as well because his wife is a celebrity too right yeah, I mean, it's, right like let's right. not act like she's not not fair game in those situations now was it fair for chris Walt rock to take it where he took it no i mean like i don't think i think sometimes comedians get a free pass for, for taking shots below the belt. But that's, mm-hmm. that's not just Chris Rock. That's every single that's comedian yeah. in the history of comedy and stand-up. So don't get me wrong there, but what I'm saying is, is I do think that from Will Smith's perspective, it was probably more about like some of him and Jada's history that mm-hmm. in that moment when he saw the look on her face, it kind of brought up, you know, he's like, oh, I'm sitting here laughing and, and maybe this happy. is... <laughs> and she didn't know. Like, you know, fortunately the camera panned, so you don't really know what mayor happened in between that. And so he went and did what he felt like he had to do in that moment. I agree with you. You don't ever talk about another man's wife or kids. I also think though, that it, it gets a little gray in this because she's also like a celebrity. big time celebrity as mm-hmm. well. It's she's not just Will Smith's wife, right? But, right. uh, I don't know. We've probably spent entirely too long talking about that, but it is the hottest story. Like <laughs> it, right now on the internet so you know we have to bring it up so all right i'm gonna shift gears yep let's let's move into some some news that's kind of happened uh first off the final four is set we've got four blue bloods shout out the blue bloods podcast we've got uh villanova duke carolina and um, kansas kansas so that is the final four we'll talk about that in just a second we are going to talk about we're going to revisit some bold predictions we're going to we're going to talk about our biggest surprise of the uh, sweet 16 elite eight weekend talk about our biggest disappointment and i also have b holmes 
Um, I have kind of a question of the day that we're going to close this episode with. Uh, okay. I'm very curious to hear your answer. And if you're mm. listening, I want to know what your answer is. So hit us up on socials with what your answer to um, um, the question that I'm going to ask at the end of this episode. But before we get into all that, we had some other breaking news that obviously wasn't quite the, the magnitude of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. But uh, Penny Hardaway in Memphis, uh, they have received a letter of or notice of allegations, whatever they call it, of potential level one and level two violations that the Memphis mm -hmm. program has has committed. There has there has been a lot of information that's transpired since the original reports I've read to now. But what I know is this. I know that some of it is associated with the James Wiseman stuff from gotcha. a couple of years ago. And okay. then there apparently or allegedly are other things that um, are included in that. And then I also think there's a piece where the Memphis president tried to basically pop back at the NCAA and sort of mm. disprove their whole case as being like this house of cards. Let me give everyone mm. a quick history lesson um, on this situation. James Wiseman, first off, Penny was a, was a middle school and then a high school coach in, in uh, I think, East Memphis before becoming yeah. the head coach at, for the Memphis Tigers. In that time, uh, even, well, hold on, before that, he had donated a significant amount of money to Memphis because that's his alma mater. That's where he played ball. Right. That's, you know, right. he took him to the Elite Eight. Then he went on to be in the NBA. You know, yada, yada, Shaq and Penny, you know, little oh, Penny. Yeah. Like, we all know the... The story there. So by, by definition, according to the NCAA, Penny was now a quote unquote booster. Mm. Well, he's like a Memphis guy. Like, like there, I'm trying to think of a way to work, but like Penny is Memphis. He's not just right. Memphis. I mean, like he embodies the culture, Everything about the city, place. the love, like he, he, he has given back to that community. He has instilled programs he's got team penny in the aau circuits i mean he's just a he, he he's an icon in the memphis community mm -hmm. and james wiseman was a player that he helped the mom with moving expenses to relocate i think to east memphis all while he was like at the middle school high school level as a coach right well when he got the job at memphis the memphis you know university the Tigers, Wiseman, top recruit in the country, commits, and the NCAA deems him ineligible because he received help from a booster who is now the head coach. And it got kind of ugly because Penny stood his ground. He stood up to the NCAA on that, and mm -hmm. they sued uh, or they filed an appeal. And in that time, he allowed Wiseman to play. So he was he was – he wasn't eligible, but then when the when the appeal was filed, he technically, I guess, wasn't, or he was likely to be ineligible. Still allowed him to play, and I think that's where the bad blood kind of initiated between yeah. Penny and the NCAA. And now they're coming back saying that, oh, on an investigation, uh, former NBA player Mike Miller, who was mm -hmm. also rookie of the staff. year, <laughs> he was on the staff. He's actually coaching high school ball in Memphis now. Okay. Um, um, and, and, but apparently his laptop was scrubbed prior to the NCAA's investigation. So it sounds like the NCAA is really trying to, yes. So all that to say, in your opinion, like what's the NCAA's end game here? Like, what are they trying to really trying to do? 
everything, man. I think the NCAA is, um, I think they're trying to instill their dominance. And I think, I think the NCAA is having a hard time with how quickly the landscape is shifting and how fast they are losing mm-hmm. their leverage. I, I'll say this, like, I remember even through when I was going through my whole recruiting process and everything, like my dad used to tell me, he goes, you have to remember that the NCAA there, it's a, uh, I mean, I can say this. Um, it's a pimp and hoe process. Mm. Like that that's that's what it is. Um yeah. and the old NCAA is that. Like, yo, you perform and give me my money. Um and you get to have an education, you know. Mm. Um mm. we're gonna make billion I mean, I I wrote it on collegegametime.com with the yep. NIL deal. They made one yep. point two billion dollars last fiscal year. So mm. I think I think on one end the NCAA is not doing a good job of adjusting to them losing the leverage that they used to have because the landscape is changing. And then I think they don't ever like being shown up. Like they like to be the puppet master. They've always been the puppet master, but now you're coming into this sense of this new age of college sports where, I mean, you're still the governing body, but now there's way more leverage than that coaches have that kids have. And Mm. I think it's weird because at this point, yeah, they could try to punish Penny for in Memphis for what happened before but I'm like should you really because the game's changed now now kids can sign NIL deals now that can be a part of it pay for play is a thing it's always been a thing but it's a very legal thing now so I think I just don't think the NCAA ever likes to feel like they're being bullied or they they really don't like to look bad or get put on the spot so I feel like it's a witch hunt it's Let's show them we're still the NCAA. We can do what we 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 will not be embarrassed. We will not be proven wrong. When I think in this situation, they could say, okay, according to the old news, the old way of doing things, I guess this was a problem. Because I really believe this. I believe in the James Wiseman situation, if Kenny kisses the ring, so to speak, if he kneels and kisses the ring, they move forward. This it's not a big deal. Right it's not yeah. even a thing. But I think Penny was just like, and most coaches knew what was on the verge of, well, I just think Penny's a no-nonsense kind of guy. Memphis is a tough city. Yes. So I yes. think he's really just like, man, whatever. Like, you're not going to come boss me around and because I don't fit in these categories. And then I think a lot of – but if you notice, not to take anything away from Penny, a lot of coaches have been a lot more vocal against their approach with the NCAA because they understand that the landscape is changing, which I think is great for the sport. So I just think the NCAA is – personally, I think they got to – they're getting caught with their pants down. It's a bunch of old guys who don't want to adapt to the new rules, but the new rules are here. It's like somebody that's refusing to go to email. You know, it's like yes. email's here, buddy. Like it's it's like people who hate social media. It's yeah. here. It's not going anywhere. It's the way of life. And that's why I think the NCAA has to understand. This is not going anywhere. The kids are only going to get more leverage. They're only going to get more power. Programs are going to be able to have more say so than ever before. So instead of bucking it, adjust where, you know, it becomes now you scratch my back, I scratch your back kind of thing instead of, well, you can't do it this way because you're not – I don't think the NCAA can win this in any way, shape, or form. Like, it's just going to leave a bad taste. And then you – what I will commend with this generation of coaches and kids is they don't care. They'll – because now, you know, if okay, if I don't go to college, whatever, I'm going to NCAA and I'm a hooper, I'll go overseas. I can go to the overtime league. I can go to the G, yep. like the G, G league. Because yep. the NBA is going to, I'll I'll give the NBA this. Every time the NCAA slips, the NBA capitalizes when it comes to mm-hmm. basketball. NFL, mm-hmm. it's a whole different approach with football. But when it comes to basketball, the NBA and Mark Cuban has been very big on this with the G League for years now. 
Let's mm-hmm. turn that into the new version of the NCAA. Kids can right. come in, they can make, and which we saw with the new G League team that gets yep. the top recruits. You can make six figures your first year being an NBA system. And so I think the NCAA really needs to figure out what they want this to look like because how, there's way too much competition coming up, especially with NIL, especially with new leagues, and especially with these new age kids who can now even get paid in high school. What do they need you for anymore? Yeah, and it's like, is the NCAA's time better spent right now backtracking all these incidents that happened years ago, really involving things that technically aren't even illegal anymore? Right, right. Or is their time better spent in going, how do we fix this thing in the future? Like, how do we put some some rules and regulations around the transfer portal and the NIL deal so that this thing doesn't just become you know, the wild, wild west that it already essentially is. It is. And it's kind of like with Will Wade even, who, like, I've I've expressed my feelings on him on this podcast before. Well, he just gets fired for an incident that occurred in 2017. But in 2019, the wiretap is what came out. Knowledge of the wiretap came right. out. Nothing happened to him. Now, all of a sudden, in 2022, when what he was on wiretap talking about technically isn't illegal because technically that wouldn't make a player ineligible. Now you'd have to go through a different process to get there using right. the NIL Avenue. However, there is a legal, there, there is an Avenue for that to be legal in today's landscape of college athletics and he's fired and I'm right. going, they sent the notice of allegations on the first day of the sec tournament. And I'm going, what are, what message are they trying to send here? Like, oh, we're going to keep backtracking and we're going to make sure that we criminalize and punish everybody. Now, here's my thing with Will Wade. I don't disagree that he should have been fired. Right. My my gripe is that he was fired in 2022, not 2019. Right. right. At, at this point, like, what, we didn't do what anything in 2019. Why are we? I mean, so let's quit trying to backtrack and figure out ways we can punish these people like Penny because right. he stood up to us two years ago two or years three ago. years ago, whenever right. it was. And let's figure out a way to actually make sure that we have an infrastructure in place that can support what has now become the future of college athletics. Okay. Right. I'm off that. Let's, let's get into bold surprises and disappointments over uh, elite eight sweet 16 weekend uh, heading into uh, the final four, uh, which we've got the final four coming up Saturday. The national championship will be on Monday. Uh, We might, March will be over, but we'll probably do some sort of recap video episode or something uh, yeah. after the natty but uh let me just bold prediction i'm gonna start here i made a very heavy bold prediction before the conference tournaments even started which was that the pac-12 was going to win a national title. oh yeah i couldn't have been more wrong and i'll speak more to both of those teams when i get to my disappointment but i did i thought there were three legitimate contenders in Arizona, UCLA, and uh, USC. And none of those teams got out of the Sweet 16. So, (laughs) with Arizona falling to Houston, uh, UCLA falling to North Carolina, which that was a tough draw. I mean, North Carolina is a nine seed, especially the way they're playing. And then USC got bounced by Miami in round one. So, anyways, that's kind of my bold. What – what did you have, Beholms? 
can't remember. I think I was talking. I think I thought my bold was St. Peter's was going to go to the final four. Um, mm. I was all aboard the hype train of the Peacocks, uh, which yeah. I thought was the, you know, it was, it was noteworthy. Um, you know, I thought we were texting during the game and I was just like, oh man, we went through all these upsets just to see four blue bloods in the final <laughs> four. Like, um, that's not what I really wanted. I mean, Shaheen, coach Shaheen Holloway, great job. I mean, Sounds like he's in. It's going to land at um, Seton he's Hall. He's Seton Hall. Yeah. Did, did well, he let sign? me say this real quick. Yeah, go ahead. I mentioned uh, last episode the team that needs to go after him and I'll go all in on him is Georgetown. I still wish Georgetown could get him. I get it though. He's a Seton Hall guy. I just wanted to say this. Literally within a couple of hours of us recording that episode, it was announced that Seton Hall's coach was headed to take the Maryland job. Yep. And at that point, it's like, oh, okay, the obvious scenario here is, is that he's going to go back to his alma mater and coach at Seton Hall. I just feel like it'd be so good for college basketball for a guy like that to be at Georgetown, turn Georgetown back into a national power, and then watch what happens. But that's all I think he, I think he still could get there. I think Seton Hall could be – because I was talking to this about with my buddy the other day, and he was – he made a good point. He was like, Seton Hall could be the perfect stepping stone to Georgetown because mm-hmm. Georgetown almost has this, like, Mystique. not an Ivy League elitism to it, towards it. It's like a Mi- Michigan. It's like a Stanford or Notre Dame. Like, you still have to qualify. Because that, yep. that was John Thompson's whole thing is, you know, helping these guys academically. So I, I think if he does well at Seton Hall, I, I could see a team like Georgetown then being like, okay, he's just not a one-hit wonder at St. Peter's. He mm. he did because Seton Hall is a reputable program. Like they're very good. They play good basketball. But then also think maybe he never wants to leave Seton Hall. It's the perfect right. setup. It's yeah. an alma mater. It's right here in Jersey. Um, mm-hmm. Seton Hall is like an hour away from me. It's so funny because so St. Peter's. Um, but Seton Hall is right up the road for me. Um, and it's a it's a good hotbed. You know, he gets better facilities, better. He's going to have access to a better athlete. Um, Seton Hall's in the Big East, right? So yeah. he's he's in a way better league. So it's like, I don't, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, maybe he doesn't make the lateral move. Seton, you can become a very strong contender in the Big East, and you're going to get, one, the revenue you're going to get, um, but two, the type of kid you're going to get. And now you can hit some of the hot guys because the starting center from North Carolina is from Philly. Well, mm-hmm. Shaheen Holloway's not at Seton Hall. He can go down like, hey, you don't got to go down to North Carolina. You could play right here, 40, 45 minutes away from home, still playing the Big East, which is arguably one of the best basketball conferences in the country, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and it always is. Um, and you you could be the hometown hero. I've, I'm excited for him. But, yeah, anyways, my bold prediction was St. Peter's, and I think that was more of a pipe dream because I just I wanted to see another George Mason story. Hey, Elite Eight, though. Elite Eight. Um, That's huge. I mean, even George Mason was like an 11 seed, not a 15 seed. True. Um, I think VCU may have been a 13 seed. I think they were a 13 that year they did. But, I mean, to your point, you were just talking about like Carl Anthony Towns, he's from Jersey. He's from Jersey. Um, I mean, but I also look at something like that and I think, okay, could I see Carl Anthony Towns passing up Kentucky for Seton Hall? No. No. Could I see Carl Anthony Towns with the right situation and the right coaching staff passing up Kentucky for Georgetown? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. That is true. Especially with the Georgetown kind of history of Mm -hmm. the big man. Yeah. I mean, you look at how what you go from uh, Patrick Ewing to Kimbe Mutombo, Alonzo Mourning. Right. I think uh, 
Roy Hibbert. Not Roy that Hibbert. he's on those guys' levels. But he but was he, a beast he, in college. He, and wasn't Drummond a Georgetown guy? No, Drummond no, was No, he like, may have been UConn. No, Andre Drummond? No. He's yeah, from like was he? Rhode Island or or Maine. He went to like a really small school. I think he's from Maine. Drummond, let me see. I'm curious now. He went to... No, dude, he was a UConn guy. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he played one season at UConn. Really? Um, I don't know why. Yep. And he, he got drafted by Detroit, so I don't understand how I missed that one. Yeah, but I, I think, why I to your point, though, Georgetown. we also can't forget Georgetown is, for our listeners, it is Chocolate City. So that is, uh, well, that's that's the nickname for DC, it. DC, yeah. And our, yeah, DC is beautiful. And I mean, yeah, like, hey, you can come live in North Jersey or you can live in DC. <laughs> it's, um, that's a, that you're, you're right. That's a better re- recruiting. DC is wonderful. I love DC. It's one of my favorite cities in the country. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I hope he does well at Seton Hall, though, man. I think, me too. I think, I think he could do really well. And maybe it is a stepping stone to a bigger job at a certain point. But it's, because what I would, Seton Hall's like a, if we're ranking it in tiers, to me, that's like a tier three job. Well, it depends sure. how deep you're going, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like a tier three. Like, it has nice national brand recognition. Um, it's in a good basketball conference. They've made the tournament quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. You're right, though. I don't I don't see a Carl Anthony Towns going, I'm going to leave Kentucky to go. But here's my counter to that. Living up here, there's a certain thing that comes with Jersey, Philly, New York legends. Like, Dewan Wagner's from Camden, which is right across the bridge from me. He's a rock star. Now, his son's a hooper. I've seen his son. His son is, like, I think the number three player in the country in his class. Yep. But Dewan Wagner, the legend of Dewan Wagner in Jersey, you would think he, it's greater than LeBron James here. Like, mm-hmm. he is that dude. It's something about this Jersey prize. So, I do think a guy like Shaheen Holloway might be able to steal a guy like Cat. Yeah. Because yeah. the the legend of who he is and – that yeah. stuff carries, yeah, yeah, it carries weight here. Because um, I'm telling you, I went and saw Dewan, and this is why I believe that. Dewan Wagner's son, Dewan Wagner Jr., plays at Camden, which is one of the best teams in the state. Um, and they travel well. I'm talking about, like, to go see a Camden game, you have to get there, like, three hours early. It's mm-hmm. packed. Dewan Wagner, granted, now he hasn't played in ages. Trey, he walks around with security. mm like, that's the type of hoop legend he is. Mm. So I think, and he's respected. Like, I've yeah. seen him at a couple games, and you just know, like, yeah, people are still like, yo, that's Dewan Wagner. Yeah. So Shaheen Holloway being the McDonald's All-American, the dude, if he didn't get the ankle injury, may have gone all the way. to the, He would have definitely went to the league, if you look mm. at his counterparts from that All-American game. Right. Right. I think he can walk in it just about any living room in the state, and there's just like this – Yes, son, you might not know, but, like, Shaheen, he was that, like, he was that dude. And there's, like, this risk. Because, you know, once you get into the coaching circuit and the AAU circuit, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a level of respect there because of who he is. And so um, I know we weren't even trying to get on that tangent, but I I think he's going to do really well at Seton Hall, and I think he might surprise. And NIL changes the game. Yeah. NIL changes the game big time, so we'll see. Well, and two other jobs up there in the Northeast that I think are going to come open in, in the not-so-far future are Georgetown and Syracuse. 
And the problem is, I think with both of those programs is Syracuse is still to be determined. Georgetown's already kind of shown this is will they be willing to hire outside of their legendary coaches sphere? Mm -hmm. You know, like when Bayheim finally retires, will Syracuse just go get Mike Hopkins from Washington or, Mm. or someone who played, you know, will they, will they, will they always try to find someone that's associated and somehow connected to him? Or will they go try to find someone that like, Hey, they may bring a totally different style than what we've seen the last 30, 40 years, but they can make sure that we have the same levels, if not more, of success. So yeah, that's all to be determined. Um, okay. Let's get to biggest surprise. Um, man, my biggest surprise, actually, if you look at the hat, I hadn't talked about them the last few weeks cause I didn't want to jinx them at all, but it's the Razorbacks, uh, getting the dub over Gonzaga. It's, it's, it's not so much that I'm surprised that they won that game specifically, it's that I'm surprised, just and really impressed that that Eric Musselman has been able to come in, and literally in his second and third year, make mm-hmm. an Elite Eight run. Like as a Razorback fan, yeah, it's like now kind of this in, this this in, in, ingrained expectation that we get to the second weekend of the tournament when we haven't been to the second weekend of the tournament. I think since the mid '90s, prior to Musselman's arrival. It was always mm-hmm. like, can we just get in the tournament? Can we just get in the tournament? And right. then you like hope and pray, hope and pray, hope and pray. And then it's like we either would catch a second round matchup with North Carolina where they were like kind of like they are this year, where they were seated a little bit lower than what their right. talent portrayed, or we just didn't even get out of the first round. And so I think three of those years, and we didn't make the tournament that much after Nolan Richardson left. But I think right. three of those appearances, we ran into the buzzsaw of North Carolina in the second round. One of them, we didn't get out of the first round at all. I think we lost to Butler. And so, Musselman coming to town, and it's like, that's that's the expectation now. And we're right. about to sign, well, by the time you're listening or watching this, the announcement's I probably already not. been made. But Anthony Black, uh, he's make, you know out of Duncanville. He, he's likely to become a hog, but I know, obviously – he hasn't announced as of this recording, but he would be the third McDonald's all American in this signing class for the hogs. Wow. They're the number two class in the country. So, and that's just Musselman's thing. The team that he took to the elite eight last year is totally different than the team that he took to the elite eight this year. And yeah, the team they're going to have next year. And so I just, that was my biggest surprise. I, I'm glad we got that matchup. I was curious to see like, how did we, you know, how did we size up with them? How did we play against them? And then we ended up beating them. And then, of course, Duke handled us. Uh, I don't think that there was any way the officials weren't going to try and get Coach K into the Final Four <laughs> for this last hoorah. But that's not why we lost that game. There were yeah. moments where I felt like the officiating was was very inconsistent. But Duke just outplayed and was a better team. And it was a it was the basically the end of the first half run that we allowed that just kind of, I felt put the dagger in us, but heck of a run back to back elite eights beat, beat the Zags. I was disappointed. I, I, I was, I was, I, I was disappointed for JD Note, the leading score for the hogs point guard. He he's finishing his career with 1,999 points. 
So Ugh. he fouled out in the Duke game one point short of 2,000 career points, points for his collegiate career. So, But, no, that was my surprise. Shout out to my Hogs. I think, man, my biggest surprise was actually North Carolina, man. Um, mm. Obviously, I felt like they were now hindsight 2020. They were underseeded. Um, I think their seeding was perfect for at the time when their, the selection committee was handing out seeds. They weren't playing very good basketball. Um, but watching them, man, against UCLA – and my man loved the point guard. He went for 30. Mm. I mean, and mm. the kid has a clutch gene. It was – I remember watching that game because I really um, – I believe Johnny Juzang was – the game Love had, I thought Juzang would have that type of game for UCLA. Mm. And and I'm watching this game, and I'm like, okay, it's getting ready to um, – because Juzang only had 14. He wasn't even the leading scorer on his team. He, but he had a, he went 5 for 13 that night. Um, you're watching the game get close – and, like, Love just hits this switch where he's like, I'm taking the game over. Like, mm-hmm. and you saw it. And it was like, and Crunch, give me the ball. I'm about to go win this game for us. And he's just come up big down the stretch for North Carolina. Um, North Carolina's playing some really good basketball, man. It's like they're peaking at the right time. I mean, obviously we saw them in Coach K's farewell tour at Cameron. Um, yep. which is a you know I kind of gave to it's a highly emotional high stakes game. They didn't do right. so hot in the ACC tournament, um, and that was kind of the North Carolina I was used to seeing all year. But man, these last couple of weeks they've just like turned it on. Um, yes. Hubie Davis, man, I don't. It's like he's got these guys firing on all cylinders, and man, they're they're definitely my biggest surprise, which is like leading me to my this is going to be an epic finale. Um. You know, in the final four, like I, I think this game is more important than whoever plays for the national title. <laughs> like this, this couldn't have been drawn up more perfectly. I'm going to revisit that in just a second. My biggest disappointment, though, I, I have to go back to my bold prediction with the Pac-12 and it's Arizona and UCLA, probably Arizona more than UCLA, because I still believe that like player for player, pound for pound, they had the most talented team in the tournament. Mm-hmm. I think they had the size advantage on any team they could have played. They had a skill advantage. They had the athletic. I mean, they had all the ingredients, size, length, athleticism, skill, uh, a lottery draft pick, like all of it, defense, scoring. And they choked point blank. And like, you know, obviously that that's your typical Arizona thing. They did it a lot with Sean Miller. They win 30 some odd games breeze through the Pac-12 tournament and then get in the tourney and just couldn't get to the final four. They would yeah. either fly, they would either get to the Elite Eight, I think they went like two or three times in a row, or they wouldn't get out of the first weekend. But I thought with the Coach Lloyd from Gonzaga, how he had them playing, I mean, yeah. they were rolling. And, and if you looked at the energy they played with, man, they really were starting to remind me of the 1990 UNLV running Rebels, the ones yeah. that uh, Larry Johnson, Stacey Ogman, uh, Greg Anthony, Tark the Shark is their coach. Like, they kind of had that type of flair to them. Now, they didn't have uh, a Larry Johnson, but they did have a seven-foot uh, def- conference right. defensive player of the year. He wasn't quite the offensive threat, but they made up for that with some of the other – but just the – the the um the energy and kind of the the passion that they played with and they played fast and how they scored and the length that they had how they could suffocate you on defense get out on the break they were right. really starting to remind me of that team and I thought man this you know I mean go back and listen to either of the last <laughs> right. couple of episodes I was very adamant like Arizona is the head and shoulders best team yeah you uh, head and shoulders above every the rest of the sixty eight team sixty four team field 
And they got a scare at TCU in the second round. And I thought, okay, okay, they, they, they got it back together. And then they ran into Houston, who was like a better version of TCU. Plays yeah. tough, gritty defense, uh, makes you work down on the offensive end, and they just got beat. So I was very disappointed in them. I was disappointed in UCLA, but they weren't exactly the team I thought was going to win it all for the Pac-12. I thought it was going to be Arizona, mm-hmm. but I still thought they had a shot. I think I was more disappointed in their sweet 16 draw of North Carolina. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and uh, so, yeah, I have to say that. And um, I don't know, man, probably Duke. I'm sorry. I thought Duke was going to be gone, at, you know, <laughs> second round. I did too. I just looking at how they – I didn't put too much stock into the ACC tournament, but looking at how they ended Coach K's farewell, uh, I just kind of thought that they they weren't going to make much noise. And then now it's, it's kind of the storyline of the tournament. Coach K in the Final Four against – but I, I honestly – and here's another reason why I was disappointed by Duke. Typically, people who don't watch college basketball, when it comes to March Madness, they usually, and and just take this to the bank, they will always have Duke or Kansas as their national champion. Like, yeah, like, like, even if they're not even in the tournament, somehow they'll pencil Duke into the to the Final (laughs) Four just because it's 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 Duke. Duke. Right. Um. Anyways, and we've got several people in our challenge that are still alive because they have Duke. So I really need Duke to lose. I mean, at this point I'm all in on Carolina just so, cause that's the one team, nobody in our college game time bracket challenge picked. Nobody. And yes, I'm being a hater, but <laughs> that's why. Yeah. I think my, my biggest disappointment is just the, that the Cinderella magic is over. I enjoyed the St. Peter's team. I mm. enjoyed the magical run. I enjoyed the the nobody where you know I re- I did a lot of reading on them and just how bad their facilities were like mm. the stuff that they had to overcome how Shaheen Holloway excuse me Coach Holloway used to like hide facilities from recruits on recruiting visits <laughs> like all that to get um I mean it was sad you know you know I don't know if I'll ever see it I don't know if the day will ever come where the Cinderella wins it all I doubt right. it because um, at the end of the day you know it, they always end up fi- facing the Goliath that they just can't beat and all things have to be clicking at the right time and the right moment for that to happen. But that was like my biggest, my biggest disappointment. And it was like how it ended. It it wasn't like scrappy. I mean, North Carolina just took it to them. Um, Mm. And I commend them. They didn't quit. They never quit fighting. They, they gave it, even when they were down 30, they brought the gap back down to 20. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just sad. You know, I'm watching that game and I'm just like, ah, and I wouldn't change the channel because I was like, there's still a chance. <laughs> like, there's there's still oh, – and I think please. once I got to yeah. – yeah, once I got to, like, seven minutes, I was like, eh, okay, there's no more chances. <laughs> um, but, man, that was, like, my biggest disappointment. I, I really – you know, once my team gets eliminated, I'm kind of like, okay, I just want to see the team that's not supposed to do it. And I don't think we've ever – I can't remember in our lifetime, at least that I can remember, where the Cinderella just kind of, like, wins it all. Um Butler so, yeah. came close those two they got years, close. but they and didn't, I didn't get want, it done. I didn't want them to win because I actually like Duke. Um, so in yeah. those seasons, <laughs> I was not rooting for them. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I forgot about the Butler UConn, years. Yeah, they got yeah, UConn Gordon got Hayward. them. And yep. then, yeah, almost hit it. Almost. Okay, 
let's wrap it up with this. I got a question. Talked about okay. it at the beginning of the episode. And you can find this question on my Twitter at it's Trey Smith. I would love to see your response if you're listening or watching. What would be the more epic last game coached by Coach Mike Shashevsky? Coach K. Would it be winning a natty, going out a national champion? So the last game of his illustrious career is winning the national championship or the last game of his career being a loss mm. to North Carolina in the final four. What, in be- your opinion, would be more epic and why? My gut wants to go if, is if he lost. That would be more epic. Because um, it would just be like the ultimate, like, uh, close but not close enough. And to lose to first time y'all have ever played in a tournament against each other and to lose before you won the national title. Um, but I might, I think in the media standpoint, him going out on top would be the biggest, most impactful thing. I mean, you've had this amazing career. Um, if we're being honest, Duke has looked okay this year. I mean, they've been ranked high, but they haven't looked just like mm-hmm. dominant how they've had these last couple weeks. Um, yeah. And for them to, like, turn it on, you know, because everybody even was saying this going into the tournament. Is, is Coach K really done? Like, he doesn't have the fire anymore. You know, even in that last game in Cameron, he just – I mean, we even talked about it. We were like, ah, he yeah. kind of seemed, like, out of it. And it was something when he – when the tournament started, man, even in that game of 64, it's like you saw – I don't know if he had this realization, this is it. Um, yeah. But he, like, hit a switch. He hit a he, – he's back to yelling and screaming and – like the vein popping out of his head. And yes. I, I think him going out on top would be the bigger story because it would be the 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 feather in the cap of I am the greatest college basketball coach of all time. And I just proved why. When all y'all doubted me out, even with this isn't my traditional team that I'm used to winning with. Because mm. if we're being honest, you remember the Duke teams of the past have won. They always Absolutely. had juniors, sophomores, yep. seniors. This is a pretty freshman heavy team. Mm-hmm. I did not only did I win my last year, I won the new way that we're supposed to win. I didn't do it even, I had to adapt to do it. And even when y'all said I was down and out, I was too old, I didn't have the fire, you know, I was making it all about me. Well, I tapped into some of that Coach K magic, got my team prepared cuz they've made excellent adjustments and everything. And like I've watched them every game. Yeah. Like he's coaching his behind and it's not him and Shire. Like, I'm watching Shire on the sidelines, and he's, like, sitting back. And it's like watching the Zen master go to work. It's yeah. like. He's in I, the zone. He's yeah. in the zone. I think that would be a greater story because it, it shows, to me, it's like he just transcended all time. From when he first started to Duke to the mid-'90s to the early-2000s to now when he's going out. He's won at every turn and corner of college basketball. And I yep. think that would arguably make him – I don't think anybody can argue. I think if he wins out on his farewell tour, which is every coach, legendary coach, wants to go out that way. And it's so hard. to Winning a national title is so hard to do. Everything has to align at the right time. Mm. I think this would make him the greatest college basketball coach of all time. I think it's the bigger story, in my opinion. Okay, so here's my thoughts. Um, And first off, I think this would be number six for him, I believe. Mm. And that would make... 
essentially three the old way, three the new way. Like three kind of the original Duke style and then three uh, kind of this new era of one and done. I guess the 2011 or 2010, whatever, whatever one that was, was kind of a hybrid. But anyways. I think one of the greatest pieces of college basketball like let me put it this way one of the pillars of college basketball is the duke carolina rivalry like that Mm. is that is the heartbeat kind of like in college football you think about you think about the iron bowl and you think about the big game right you think about Mm. michigan ohio state alabama auburn typically those two games have have a national sort of those two games can impact the national landscape. Uh, I think when the two teams like Notre Dame and USC are good, that's another one. Like those are, those are pillar rivalries that college football needs those games to be significant because it increases viewership. It increases really everything that we love about college football. It takes it to the next level when that rivalry is, is at its peak college basketball. It's Duke Carolina. Like there's yeah. not even there's not even a close there's second. Not, not that there aren't other yeah. rivalries and not that there aren't other like like <laughs> games that that are impactful, but I mean nothing compares to Duke Carolina. So for me, nothing would light a fire into that rivalry that would sustain for probably the next 30 years more than mm. North Carolina ending coach K's career in the final four. <coughs> Excuse me. You hear that? It's like something. Yeah. It's like just me <laughs> saying that. <laughs> it's making me fall. <laughs> Crazy. But nothing. I just I just think that to your point, the short-term media coverage and the short-term headliner would certainly be Coach K rides off into the sunset, winning number six. But man. The long-term fuel that could provide to the greatest rivalry in college basketball. Mm-hmm. I, I'm my point is I think it could it's better for the game. It's better for the sport for North Carolina to win that game because it's going to fuel a rivalry that is yep. the heartbeat of college basketball. Even oh, even you know what I mean? Even even college basketball fans who only watch their team will still tune in to Duke Carolina oh, for because sure. of its history. Yeah. So to my my answer, what's more epic? Carolina. I mean, they've they've already ruined his retirement ceremony. If they do now it they twice. could now they could literally ruin his retirement. Yeah. Like Coach K might even come back another year if he loses to Carolina in the final four, he loses to Kansas in the final four. He loses to Villanova in the final four. Okay. It is what it is, but he loses to Carolina as his last game ever in the final four. That's just epic to me. And that would, that would, I think light a fire in the greatest rivalry in college basketball for the next 30 years. Imagine Carolina fans. Imagine the shirts, the signs. I mean, just imagine everything that we will see, I mean, when you and I are old. Yeah, that's true. I agree so, with that. I agree with anyways. that. Anyways. Okay, dude, we're out of time. 
Um, socials. If you've been watching on YouTube, please hit subscribe. You see the yeah. The, the scroll has all of our stuff. Twitter at it's Trey Smith at real B homes, uh, Instagram, YouTube, college game time, go to collegegametime.com. Oh yeah. We're just building, man. We're just building. So we're just building. I don't, and I feel the need to say this. I don't know why. So I'm just going to say it. it. If anybody's interested in any, um, want to sponsor, get some ad space on the show, man. We're always open. We're always open to sponsors. I'm telling you, I'm going to go ahead and just make make this my bold prediction. You want to mm. get in early. Mm-hmm. You want to get in early when it comes to college game time, especially the Blue Bloods podcast. I have a feeling this time next year, as my man Fat Joe said, yesterday's price will not be today's mm. price. Mm. I'm gonna say it again. Yesterday's price will not be today's price in about a year. I want to say, I believe this, Trey. Whatever, I'm going to say it. Bring it. By the end of football season, it's going to mm. be very hard for anybody to get ad space on what we're mm. doing. I'm just, I'm just, and we'll talk more about offline, but I just, I just have this gut feeling where I just feel like at the, guys, if you have a company, you want to get in, this is the sweet spot. Get it. Look of it as yes. a startup. Get in early when you can get grandfathered in on a sweet deal because by the end of football season, can I say this? Edit it out if it's wrong. If you're not talking a certain amount of zeros, it's not even going to matter at that point. Like, it's it's not arrogance. It's just we know what's going on behind the scenes, and we appreciate everybody's support. Um, but I want I want you guys to take advantage of, like, if you're growing with us, Uses that as a real opportunity to grow with us because there's some great things happening here at College Game Time. So holler at us for ad space. College football. I love March Madness. Man, I love college.